Amen. Hey, we'll go ahead and be seated if you would again this morning. Welcome to Christ Church. If you're joining us online, so good to have you with us and great to just be together this morning. I'm Pastor Brian was in Florida this week on a retreat, was actually supposed to be home or was planning to be home, and, and allegedly his flight got canceled. We're not sure. We're still investigating, but that's what he told us anyway. So, no, he's on his way home today. I was texting with him a little bit, and he was uh, joining with us online this morning, and so uh, I'm certainly honored to be able to share God's word with you, and it was planned. It wasn't like he called me last night going, hey, can you preach tomorrow? No, this was planned. So, great. Grab your Bibles. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing our series from the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Culture. Uh, Today we're going to cover verses 16 through 18, and if you've um, been following along and taking notes, you're like, hey, you're skipping 14 and 15. Nope, we're not. We're going to come back to verses 14 and 15 in a few weeks as we enter the Lent season, and um, Lent is a season, a 40-day season of preparation for Easter. And uh, we're going to be focusing on the the theme of forgiveness this year as we approach Lent. And so that message fit better coming up in February on the 26th. We're going to be reapproaching verses 14 and 15. Today we're going to move ahead and talk about 16 through 18. And it really is in the context, uh, Jesus is talking about the same thing and using a few different examples. So if if you look back a little bit. He's talking about spiritual disciplines, and he's talking about giving, praying, and fasting. Now, this is not not an exhaustive uh, list of spiritual disciplines by any means, but he's citing these as, as examples, and what he's doing is he's pointing at our motives, and he's saying, make sure that your motives are right when you do these things. Do them before the Lord. Don't, don't go out and blow the trumpets. And, and make a big, a big stir so that everybody sees how spiritual you are when you give. Oh man, that guy's given a lot of money. Look at that. Or when you pray, don't go stand on the street corners and just babble on and on. Like somehow God is impressed with that. If people think that you're, you're awesome, it's like, wow, that's, that's so great. That's all the rewards you get. And then today he talks about an interesting spiritual discipline in fasting. Now biblical fasting is is abstaining from food, not eating, for a period of time. That's what biblical fasting is. Now, we've applied the principles culturally to different things. We're going to talk about that later on uh, as we discuss this today. But for, for this context, the fasting that Jesus is talking about is abstaining from food or food and water for a period of time to devote yourself more entirely, more wholly to God. Now, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, it's, it's easy for us to look at these things like, oh man, these are just, it's a sacrifice and oh, I'm just, I'm going to give, I'm, I'm giving my, my money in the offering and that's such a sacrifice for me or I'm praying, just look at, look at how spiritual I am. And then fasting, fasting, abstaining from food, not eating, that's, that's a practice that's not, it's not new, it's actually an ancient practice that people have been doing for millennia. But the thing about these spiritual disciplines, and again, not, not an exhaustive list, but they're actually a gift to us. It's not something that we do to impress God or to just go through some act of suffering. It's actually a gift to us. Now think about it like this. Giving, giving frees us from the power and the control of money and greed in our lives. There's one thing that you can do to break the power of greed, and that's to be a generous giver. It frees you. Praying frees us from this power or this idea of control. Praying keeps us in a place of humility, acknowledging our weakness and our dependence upon God. It actually frees us to to be surrendered. 
And then fasting, fasting, this idea of not eating for a period of time, it frees us from the power of food, but it also exposes other appetites that we have, which we'll talk more about today. So not eating for a period of time, you might be like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's feeling that. Like, where do I sign up? No, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. Fasting is something that is certainly is, is difficult, but it holds a great, great reward. So you might be thinking, like, that just sounds silly and, and stupid. Well, to the natural mind, yes, but to the spiritual mind, it's actually an incredible practice that God's given us. You might feel like, man, I know I need to do that, but it just feels overwhelming or intimidating. And that's understandable. That's actually quite common and normal. These spiritual disciplines, the good things that we should be doing that God's called us to, can become bad things if we do them for the wrong reasons. And anything, serving, worshiping, uh, taking notes, highlighting things in your Bible. I mean, and you know, you know the Holy Spirit will convict you if, if you're coloring so that that person next to you is like, oh man, that, look at how much they have highlighted in their Bible. They must be in there all the time. That person's so spiritual. Maybe someday if I work at it, I'll be like them, right? He can tell you. He knows if that's really the motive of your heart. Or posting or making stances on social media. We're gonna talk a lot more about that in a little bit. Just this, this like thing of like, I, I want to look good outwardly. And fasting, as Jesus would call us to fast, it's incredibly countercultural. It confronts our selfish desires. It, it exposes our lack of self-control. So let's read this over here in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So back to this, this theme again that's common through this, this section of the Sermon on the Mount, whether it's giving, praying, fasting, worshiping, serving, any, any number of spiritual disciplines that we practice or, or spiritual exercises, what Jesus is saying is he's saying your motive determines your reward. The motives of your heart determine what you receive. God rewards you according to the motives. Or he says, hey, if, if you want the applause of people and the praise of people and you're just looking for affirmation from people, that's all the reward that you get. He knows our hearts. He knows our why better than we know our why. And he's more concerned with our why than our what. So let's take a moment and pray as we unpack this passage a little more thoroughly today. God, I pray uh, by your spirit that you would be working and that you would be illuminating and giving revelation and shining light and, and convicting us. Um, this is, this is a, a thing that certainly every one of us deals with, of what our true motives are. And so I pray that you'd help us to see today as we look in the mirror of your word, our true motives. Would you convict us and would you just continue to change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we are, we are masters of justifying ourselves. Oftentimes we think that our motives are pure for doing what we do, but in reality they're not. Sometimes you got to ask yourself the question, like, why did you do that or say that really? No, what's the real underlying motivating force that made you say that or do that. That's your heart. 
That's where God is most at work. So let's talk through this teaching a little bit. Um, as Jesus would have been teaching the, the crowd that day, 2,000 years ago, uh, there's a lot of things that are different. There's uh, cultural differences. There's technological differences. Society's just very different. But the human heart and the condition of the human heart remains exactly the same. And you'll see that as we, as we read this. When you fast, when you fast. So fasting was a common practice throughout history. We see it all through scripture. Uh, biblical fasting, again, is abstaining from food for a period of time for a specific purpose, to draw close to God in devotion. The thing about biblical fasting around food was that food preparation in Bible times took a lot longer. They didn't have refrigerators and stoves and, and the ability to make food as quickly as we do, so there was a lot more time involved in fr- food preparation. So for you to fast from food in Bible times meant your schedule just got cleared up drastically, like you got a lot of time now. It was the clearing up of time for you to be able to devote that time to the Lord. And that can apply to various different things, but biblically fasting is is the abstinence of food or not eating for a period of time. We see a lot of different reasons in scripture for fasting. Over in Acts, we see uh, Paul and Barnabas seeking God's wisdom about who they should appoint as elders in churches. We see Nehemiah showing grief. He mourned and he fasted when he came back to Jerusalem and he saw the city broken down and he was so grief-stricken that he fasted to express his grief. We see Esther praying for deliverance of the Jews over in the book of Esther chapter 4. Three days with no food and no water in a dire situation. We see the people of Nineveh repenting and fasting in prayer after Jonah preached to them. Praying for victory over in Judges chapter 20, we see that the Israelite army had lost a major battle, lost many men, and that night they cried out to God in prayer and fasting and he gave them victory the next day. To worship and show devotion to God. I love the story in Luke chapter 2. If, uh, if you want to be inspired, go read Luke today and Luke, Luke 2 today about Anna. And Anna was, a, was an amazing woman of God. She never left the temple. Day and night, she worshiped in fasting and prayer. She was devoted to God just to worship him. And then we see over in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the account of Jesus fasting for 40 days in preparation for his ministry. Now, any one of these reasons for fasting and any one of these stories, we could dive very deeply into. Today's just, it's kind of a flyby. We're scratching the surface on this practice of fasting and what it's for. But those are some of the biblical reasons that we fast. So Jesus goes on to say, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Do not look appearance. That's so crucial. And he was usually talking to the Pharisees. Um, he, he, he would call them hypocrites often. Hypocrites were, were actors or actresses that would wear masks. And so what he was saying was, that's not the real you. That's just a show. That's an act. You're a hypocrite. You're an actor. Don't look gloomy. Don't be so excessively uh, obsessed with your appearance and so concerned with how you look to people or what people think. Now, of course, it's not wrong to, to keep ourselves up and to be presentable, but the motive of the heart, if you're doing what you do for people, God knows that. He, do, he judges the motives of the heart. See, the Pharisees would fast twice a week. We see that over in Luke 18. And, and so they, they really thought they were doing it. We're, we're the spiritual ones. Everybody be like us. And Jesus is pointing out, he's saying, look at the reason they're doing that. 
is they're doing it to be noticed by people. Don't do that. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. Now, you may have heard this term in our culture. Um, that It gets thrown around a lot, usually in the last uh, few years around election time and in political conversations, the term virtue signaling. Has anybody heard the term virtue signaling? Right? It's like this. It's like, hey, hey, look at me. Look how, how moral and how virtuous I am. I'm doing all these good things. I'm giving all these, and I give to these causes. And I say, I post all these things that seem to be so moral and so virtuous. Virtue signaling means that you're just putting like a show on, but it's, you don't really actually possess that true virtue. It's just a show. Virtue signaling. Now that's a new term. It's new language. But come on, it's the same old problem of the human heart that it's always been. Right? And Jesus is talking to the original virtue signalers, the Pharisees, the hypocrites. And he's saying, don't, don't be concerned with your appearance. What he's really saying is don't do the right things for the wrong reasons. That's number one. Don't just do the right things for the wrong reasons because you're rewarded according to your motive. Your motive determines your reward. Doing the right things for the wrong reasons nullifies it. It makes it completely pointless. You've missed the entire point of it. Fasting is not something that you do to garner respect or for people to be like, man, that dude is so uber spiritual. He just must have an iron will to be able to not eat for a couple days or whatever. And Jesus is pointing out the hypocrisy. and He's pointing out the virtue signaling of it. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, this disfigure their faces is an expression, a vivid expression, that was used in the language to, to, to paint a picture of someone who had smeared dirt and ash on their face and or had covered their head with, with something, some sort of hood, so that they would be, they would be seen. Note that they're, they're making their faces dirty and visibly distorting their faces. A couple of us on staff this week as we were preparing, we, we were practicing our best disfigured faces and it was like, oh, like, can y'all just pray for me? Pray for me, I'm fasting this week. Like, and then making people feel sorry for you. Like, man, he, that dude's just carrying his cross. Man, he's so spiritual, right? Oh, somebody please y'all. I'm just, I'm just loving Jesus, just sacrificing. They disfigure their faces. It's kind of a caricature, if you will. What Jesus is doing here is he's, he's painting a caricature, an exaggerated picture, so that we can see ourselves clearly. Anybody ever go to have, have the guts to go to Michigan Adventure and actually get the caricature painted of you? Has anybody done that? I'm way too afraid. I want, there's way too much material to work with here. Like, they would, it would make me look like a fool, right? I'm not giving them the chance. It's a caricature so that we can see our own self-righteous tendencies. Fasting is primarily about the denial of the flesh and the fleshly nature, and the, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, were using it to glorify their own fleshly nature. And that's why Jesus said, truly I say they've received their reward. Now there's, there's, there's a reward that you can get from people, or there's a reward that you can get from God. And God's saying to you, he's saying, hey listen, don't trade what you could get, what you could, what, what God could reward you with that is so deep and so rich and so good, don't trade that for a temporary fleeting moment of people just being like, wow, you're awesome. They don't compare, don't trade that. They've received their reward. 
Now, the Holy Spirit within you, if, if you're saved and you're born again and, and you have a new heart and Jesus is, has begun his salvation work in you, the Holy Spirit will convict you. You'll know, why did I really do that? And sometimes in moments like this, it's convicting. It's like looking in a mirror and being like, oh, dang, that's me. I, I do that. Sometimes I do that. If you are here and, and you've never really come to Jesus, the beginning place is not like, well, go start fasting and praying and giving. It, all of the doing follows being with Jesus. We've kind of said this consistently through this Sermon on the Mount. It's so true and so consistent. Fasting or anything that you do, any spiritual exercise you do, comes out of a love relationship with Jesus. That's the motivation. Not trying to earn God's favor, not trying to impress people like, man, that, that guy, is he just really doing it? That girl, man, she's really just paying the price for Jesus, right? Believers, this is about being, not doing. It's about being, and then your do comes out of that. The human heart that's exposed remains unchanged through history. We all have appetites. Fasting deals with our physical appetite, but it exposes so many other appetites. Now, if we could just be honest for a minute, let's just think deeply, introspectively. We all have an appetite for approval, to be loved, to be accepted, to be valued and honored, to have, have an, an, a sense of identity, to have security. We have an appetite for power or for pleasure, for wealth, for importance. And we all have an appetite somewhere and they're like, we want to be known as a good person. We want to be good. And we are either living out of our own righteousness, which is based in what we do, and we do so many good things and look at all these disciplines and look at all this, how we... This, like, there's this self-righteousness or we have the righteousness of Christ. And, and the true believer, the true follower of Christ doesn't work for approval and for righteousness. We work from approval and from righteousness that's already been given to us. There's a huge, huge difference. You're not twisting God's arm. Fasting is not some way to manipulate God. It's not some way for him to go, oh man, she's fasting. I, I kind of <laughs> have to do whatever she wants now, right? Like that's not how fasting works. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper and, and ask a few questions. Is it, is it possible that what Jesus is pointing out here, yes, it is the hypocrites and the Pharisees, but maybe more broadly, he's pointing out the hypocrisy of the human condition, which is not just the Pharisees, it's all of us. It's easy to look out and to, and to see virtue signaling out there, but it's harder to look within and see it. And I was reading an article this week by Amy Joseph in the, from the Gospel Coalition, and she wrote this article about, about virtue signaling, and it was so good. If you want to just Google Amy Joseph um, Gospel Coalition virtue signaling, you can read the whole article, A-I-M-E-E, A-I-M-E-E, yeah, Amy Joseph. But in this article, um, she, she poses a few questions, and she goes, hey, it might just be good before you post this certain thing on Facebook or social media, or before you take this stance, maybe just run through these questions. And so we're going to put these questions up kind of one at a time. If you want to take pictures, get your phone out, because we'll kind of go through them. I, I, I saw people in the first service wanting to take pictures. Here's the first question. Does this cause, problem, or position show up often in my prayer life? If I don't care enough to talk about this in secret with the Lord, then perhaps I don't need to post about it publicly. Oh, ouch. Are you praying? If this thing, see, this is the thing. 
if you're just trying to look good or have some sense of righteousness, like I'm going to post something so that I feel like I've done my part or done something, but it doesn't really burn within your heart, that's all you'll do. It's just a shell. It's just a show. It's a surface and a facade. But when something really burns in your heart, it, you bring, you're bringing it before God, like, God, I'm deeply convicted of this. You're not just okay with posting something on Facebook. You've got to be in it. You've got to be making a difference. And that's the next question. Are there tangible ways to locally express and discuss this cause, problem, or position? If so, am I engaged in a meaningful and practical way? It's far easier to post about a position than to step into the messiness of real life with real people. If I have not tried to engage locally, perhaps that's a better entry point than social media. That's convicting, isn't it? This is what Jesus is calling us to. Though. He's going, don't just play the part. Don't just appear to be spiritual. Don't just appear to be virtuous. Don't just signal to others that you're, you're moral but live it from the inside out. And that comes by spending time with Jesus and being with him. Next question. Is there someone in my current relational network who has engaged more actively or for a longer period of time in this cause, problem, or position? Have I spoken with him or her as a listener and learner? The beauty of the body of Christ is that God granted us each hearts that break over different causes to different degrees. Spend time with people that are actually in, in the game doing something, making a difference. You see, your motive and your heart is what really ultimately determines what you do. It's not good enough to just take a stance on an issue. I mean, I think we've, we've, we've had enough social media to see that that's really not doing much good, is it? Well, here's what I believe. Well, here's what I believe. Now, let's just throw grenades at each other and fight about it. And nobody's actually doing anything about the problem. I think it's time for the church to, to get out from behind a screen and to get in a booth and have a conversation with somebody, right? Otherwise, it just, it just becomes this self-righteous virtue signaling thing. Now, it's not wrong to post on social media, but let's let, let your life and the fruit of your life back what you're saying, not just something that looks good or seems moral or even appeases some need for righteousness. That's how we become self-righteous. Last question. Who is the hero of this post? Oh boy, that's convicting. Am I glorifying myself? Is this really about me wanting to feel good about my stance and my position on something? Or am I really trying to glorify God? Who's the hero of this post? If it's a group, a party, or a person... Is there a way I can better point to the character and nature of God? Mm. How can I glorify Jesus with my life? Not myself, not my party, not my, you know, tribe, whatever it is. You know, there's a very, very dangerous prayer that we can begin to pray. And this is one that we should, this is actually what Jesus is leading us to. He's leading us to look in the mirror of his word and to really look at our own hearts and to examine our true motives and to bring that before God and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you convict me on the inside of my true motives? Would you work within my heart and purify me from the inside out? See, that's what makes Jesus so different from everything else. Every other religion or belief system is external. Do this, 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 and then eventually you're good enough. Whereas Jesus, the, the king of creation, said you could never. And so he came and he did it for us. Our righteousness is established in what's been done for us, not what we do. So all of our doing comes out of our being. Our righteousness is the, some, a place that we work from, not something that we work for. Amen?
Amen, church. Okay. Your motives determine your reward. Don't do the right things for the wrong reason. So let's look at the second half of this now where Jesus kind of gets away from like, hey, don't be that guy. Here's what not to do, but here's what to do. But when you fast, when you fast, in the Old Testament, it was law-based. It was, it was obligatory. In the New Testament, we're free by the Spirit to fast as much as we want. We're not required to fast on certain days. And there's a historical transition that's happening between the law and the Spirit. And Jesus is, is ushering in the Spirit when you fast. Notice that he doesn't say, you must fast, as it, it's a law. Like, you have to do this. If you want to be my follower, you have to fast. He, doesn't, he also doesn't say, if you fast. Like, hey, if you think about it. Here's how you should do it. He says, when you fast. Basically, like it's kind of given. He just assumes that it's, this is part of what being a Christ follower does. Now, fasting, again, takes a lot of forms. I understand it. This, and this can feel daunting and intimidating. We're going we're gonna to talk about how to practically live this out in a few moments. Just kind of stick with me here with what Jesus is saying. It's not a commandment. It's not a law. There's nothing in the New Testament that says, uh, here's the New Testament covenant or commandments about fasting for the believer. It's not in there. You see the practice of it, you see them doing it, but there's not some regimented law or obligatory practice to it. Okay? Fasting goes along with prayer. It's dedicated time to the Lord. It's an intentional disciplining of your appetite. In, in our culture, it, we think if we don't have three, three meals and snacks, it's like you're going you're gonna to starve. That's, that's not true. It's not true. It's not a form of controlling or manipulating God, but fasting is is about seeking God. It's about seeking him in devotion. It's about a humble posture of dependence on God. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him as we see over in Hebrews. What Jesus is saying in this second half is he's saying do the right things for the right reason. Don't be that guy. Don't be the hypocrite. Don't be this caricature, this fat. Don't, Don't be that fake mask-wearing, virtue-signaling, self-righteous hypocrite. Be an authentic, from the inside out, follower who really just lives rightly before God from the inside out. Do the right things for the right reasons. He says, anoint your head and wash your face. Now, the wash your face part, you might have kind of already put that together. That's like, oh, okay, so they, they disfigure their faces. They smear dirt and ash on their faces so that everybody's like, oh, that dude must be fasting. Look at him, man. He's, look at him. He's really a trooper. That guy's fasting. It's, it's so obvious. It's on your face. Jesus is like, wash your face. Don't give any indication of it. You don't want anybody to know. But the anoint your head thing is actually interesting uh, to understand the, the cultural context. Anointing your head was something that you would do prior to sitting down at a table for a meal. It was just Jewish practice of the day, but it had been going on for a long, long time. Um, it was a hygienic practice. It was something that would actually help cover odors and protect against bacteria and such. You see it in the Old Testament in Psalm 23 when David says, you've prepared a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. In the New Testament, you see uh, Jesus entering a home, the home of Simon and he talks about how Mary, he gets there, you see this woman? I've entered your house. You, have, you didn't wash my feet. That was another thing, a customer. You would wash their feet. You'd anoint their head with oil. And then they would sit down and you'd serve them a meal. It was a cultural hygiene practice and, and a hospitality practice. And Jesus is saying, I entered and you didn't, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. But she's anointed my feet with perfume. It was a common practice. Now, what Jesus was saying here was this. He was saying, make it look like you've been eating. Do you see that? 
anoint your head with oil so that you have the appearance of just having got up from having a meal. It's, it's tough for people to think you're fasting when it looks like you, you're doing what you normally do when you're eating a meal. Go out of your way to make sure that nobody sees and knows what you're doing except your heavenly father. That's what he's saying. In verse 18, that your fasting may be seen by others, not, not by others, but your father who's in secret. It's just living in simple devotion to God. And so in line with this whole text, it's about the inner world of the heart. God works in our lives from the inside out. Because if all we're doing is practicing external righteousness, it's a shell and a facade and a mask that gives us a sense of self-righteousness. And Jesus is like, "Not nah, that's missing it. That's the hypocrites. Don't do that. And your father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. God sees your heart and rewards you accordingly. Your motive determines your reward. Now, what are the rewards? Okay, we talked about like, the rewards, there's, there's a reward that people can offer you. The applause, the attaboys. Oh, the man, I so look up to you. You're so spiritual. The applause of man, the approval of man. Those things are fleeting and temporary. And, and tomorrow, this, the people that are cheerleading you today can be booing you tomorrow. Like, it's just how it works with people. So Jesus is like, hey, don't trade what you could receive from God for doing the right things for the right reasons. Don't trade that for this cheap plastic substitute of the applause of people. Like it's, don't do that. Don't sac, don't give up your reward. What are the rewards of, of doing, practicing fasting and prayer in secret? Well, one is you might be seeking God for wisdom or a certain answer. We talked about the biblical reasons for fasting. Maybe there's something like you have a decision in front of you and, there's, and you need wisdom. You're like, I don't know what choice to make. I've got three choices and all of them are good. And I just don't know, Lord, what would you have me do? Fasting is a tool that God's given us to help us to discern in seeking him, his wisdom and how he'd lead us. Maybe one of the rewards of fasting is just greater self-control. I'll tell you, man, when I go to Taco Tuesday at Red Dead's and they're dollar tacos... It's hard to stop. You know, you guys know what I'm saying. I mean, those tacos. The, the single greatest sacrifice I can make for Christ is, is to not eat tacos. You know, like that's my, that's carrying my cross right there, right? <laughs> self-control, greater self-control. That's a reward. Comfort in times of grief. You know, there's a comfort that comes from God's spirit in times of difficulty that you can't find anywhere else in the world. Some of the sweetest communion with the Lord is in the times of the most intense suffering and hardship. Fasting is a way for us to seek God in that. Oftentimes in times of difficulty and suffering, we just naturally fast. Have you ever done that where something just overwhelmed you and you were so grief-stricken that you just kind of forgot all about eating? Like it was the last thing on your mind? Fasting kind of even is a natural outflow of grief. Another place to, to fast would be for protection, like we see protection and deliverance like we see in, in Esther. Or for spiritual breakthrough. We see Daniel fasting for 21 days and, and just seeking God in repentance and doesn't realize there's all this spiritual resistance against him. And the angel shows up 21 days later and says, hey, God heard you on the first day, but it just took a little bit for me to get here. Interesting story. That's a reward, spiritual breakthrough, provision for a need. Maybe there's a need that you're seeking God for. Maybe there's a ministry that God has called you to and fasting and there's a season like Jesus went through a season of fasting for preparation for that ministry. 
Now, why would you trade all of those things? These, these things that are amazing gifts from God. And, and if it was all of that, or if it was none of that, and, and the only reward you got from God, from fasting and praying and seeking him in devotion, was that you had a greater walk with him and a closer sense of communion with God, would that be enough? Is that enough of a reward? And if the answer is no, I need something else, then you're still doing it for the wrong reasons. If it's only God, all I want is more of you. I think Anna in Luke chapter two, such an amazing woman of God, such an example to us of like fasting and praying and just devotion to God. She didn't care at all what anybody thought. She wasn't looking for her name to get written in the book. She was just looking for for closer communion with God in prayer and fasting. Now the rewards that God gives us based on the motives of our heart, the reward he gives us is immeasurably greater than anything the world has to offer. The thing about fasting that Jesus is like, don't go around looking like you're all miserable. Oh, this is so hard. Yeah, it's hard. I'm going to be honest. It's hard. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. But Jesus is like, don't go around acting all miserable because in one sense, yeah, physically your body's going to grumble and complain and it's going to let you know, hey, I'm hungry here. But, but depriving your body temporarily of food so that you can actually feast on spiritual food, you're, you're not really giving anything up. You're actually, you're gaining, right? Now your body needs food, of course, to, to survive. But don't go around feeling, all I'm just so miserable, I have to fast. It's part of what I have to do to follow Jesus. Like, no, it's a gift. It's, it's an awesome practice that we get to do. And it comes with great, great reward. But your motive determines your reward. In his book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes this, such a classic uh, book, Celebration of Discipline. He says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I love that, so, so well said. Fasting is, is uh, more than any other discipline, reveals the things that control us with huge benefit and huge reward. You know, fasting reveals what controls us. Fasting is kind of like a gateway, okay? The, the initial thing that you're going to recognize right away when you begin to fast is how powerful food is in your life and how much of an appetite your stomach has for it. If you've practiced it and you've done it, you know, it doesn't take long. In fact, it's funny the days you go, okay, it's like 7 a.m., I'm setting out to fast. All, all of a sudden, like, man, I'm super hungry. <laughs> I don't normally eat breakfast, but today I feel like I really need some breakfast. By the time lunch rolls around, like your stomach, it's telling you. It's like, hey, I'm hungry. Feed me. One of the things about fasting that is so crucial for us to understand is it's a physical discipline of our stomachs, but it, it teaches us, it shows us, it very, very quickly reveals the power of our fleshly desires. And fasting teaches us and and helps us to learn to discern our fleshly cravings and how we say no to those things. It's a discipline of the fleshly nature. Teaching teaching your stomach the word no is, is a great way to learn how to teach all of your fleshly appetites the word no. See, because our fleshly appetites want to control and take over our flesh, our sin nature. The problem of sin that's within every single human being, whether it's lust or greed, power, position, pleasure, fun, food, 
addictions. I mean, there's, the list goes on and on and on. The, the fleshly nature within us wants to control us, and fasting is what breaks the power of the mastery of that fleshly nature. It teaches you to recognize fleshly appetites and, and teaches you how to train your flesh and how you can say, no, I'm saying no to that appetite. Over in Genesis 25, it's a great picture uh, of this very principle, and without getting too far into this, it's the story of Jacob and Esau. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. Jacob and Esau are brothers, and Esau is a hunter, and he's been out hunting, and Jacob's a bit more of a shrewd, kind of mild business guy, and, and Esau's been out for a few days hunting. He comes back in, and he's just famished, and he's like, I need food or I'm going to die, and Jacob capitalizes on the moment. He's like, hey, I'll give you this bowl of stew, but he like pulls it away, put it under his nose, you know, no, no, but, but you're going to have to sell me your birthright. Your birthright was your, your rights as, as a firstborn son. It was the inheritance. It was the judicial power that you had as a firstborn son. And, and Esau's like, whatever, I, I want the stew. Man, that story is so telling of the nature of our fleshly appetites that, it, that we are willing in, in a moment of temporary gratification to sacrifice the long-term blessing of God. You see that? my flesh wants it now and wants more. And if I live to appease the flesh, I am sacrificing and foregoing the long-term blessing of God. The follower of Christ lives in such a way that we, we, we discipline and temper the flesh temporarily. We will deprive the flesh intentionally to starve it so that we can have the long-term benefits and blessings that only God can give us. Fasting is, is kind of likened to Telling a spoiled child no. If you've ever done it, I mean, if, you, if, you've, if you've had children and you fasted, you're like, that is absolutely correct. That's just how it is, right? No. But I, but, 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 no. The answer is no. But I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. No. That's what fasting actually practically feels like. What you can expect as you begin to fast is, is a really strong resistance. Like, I don't want to. I don't care. And listen, you're, you're going to be okay. You're not going to die. You're not like Esau, like, oh, I'm going to eat the stew or I'm going to die. You're not going to die. Fasting, now, now, let me should say, there's certain medical things to be concerned about. You know, if you're diabetic or have certain health conditions or expecting, all of that. Like, if you, if you need to seek medical, medical advice, do it. But for, for most, fasting is actually a very, very good physical practice. Fasting gives your body time to detox. Our cells are always working from behind and we take in so much food that has so much junk in it sometimes that our bodies, it actually to fast gives our cells time to clean out and to detox. So it's actually a very good practice health-wise and even unsaved medical experts will tell you the same thing. It's, it's a good practice overall for health. But what you can expect when you begin to do this, is that your flesh is not going to be happy with you. Your stomach is, is going to grumble. Boy, and that thing will complain. In fact, you can hear it going, bah, 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 like, give me food. I'm hungry. Feed me. No. You're okay. You don't, no, you don't need that. What you, what you need more is, you need, we need to seek the Lord. So instead of fasting physical food, we're going to feast on spiritual food. No. And then after a while, it, it's actually really kind of funny. The grumbling and the complaining, okay, fine. It begins to go like, okay. And then it begins to bargain with you. Has anybody ever experienced the, the fasting bargaining? Like, okay, 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 listen, listen. 
It's nine o'clock and, and I'm pretty sure like the Hebrew clock, doesn't it start at like 9 p.m. and you've done really, really well. It's okay, just, just have, a, have a bag of popcorn, grab a granola bar. Like you, you did good, you did good. You did good. It's okay. No, no. The bargaining. But we are masters of the, the flesh just loves to bargain and be like, okay, if I'm not going to get exactly what I want, when I want it, I'm going to offer you a deal. How about this? Let's just bargain a little bit, right? See, fasting is, is the gateway. Again, it, just, it, it helps us to, to feel what it feels like to deny the flesh, to be like, no, I am not letting my fleshly appetites determine what I do. I am letting Jesus determine what I do. And you are going to have to sit down and take a seat. No. You master the flesh, you're not mastered by it. And fasting is a, is a gateway into that world. Now again, in, in Bible times, it was, it was primarily around food, but there's certainly other things you can fast. Really practically, like we said in Bible times, it was, there was so much preparation and time and energy that went into food preparation that if you were fasting, hey, you got a couple hours cleared up now. Go spend that time with the Lord. So let me ask you the question, what is occupying and monopolizing your time that you could say, nope, nope, for a period of time, so that you can say yes to time with the Lord. I mean, in our, in our culture, food certainly. I mean, in food, it is the biblical way too fast. But culturally, we can apply that to things like TV uh, or internet or social media, activities and hobbies. What is it in your life that, that requires so much time that you have a hard time saying no to, that you need to make that be quiet and say, and be like, nope, sit down. You just stay right there. We're going to go spend some time with Jesus. Here's the beautiful thing about fasting, whether it's food or it's any of these other things, is your flesh, whether it's your stomach or just your mind and your heart and your emotions, it will constantly remind you to be in prayer. This is kind of what it looks like. Say you're fasting food. Oh, I'm so hungry. And if your thought is, When's this going to be over? Oh my gosh, it's 10.30 a.m. I'm like, I'm, oh my gosh. Long way to go. All right. No, that's the wrong thought. When your belly reminds you of how uncomfortable it is and grumbles and complains, that's a reminder. Oh yeah, thank you so much for reminding me. This is what I'm fasting about. Lord, God, I'm, I am praying and I'm asking you for wisdom for that, that thing. I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. God, I'm asking for breakthrough and for provision. God, I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying for my children. I'm, I'm praying, God, I'm grieving over something. Like when, when your belly begins to grumble, let that serve you as a reminder of why you're doing what you're doing and what you're doing is greater. Your need for God to move in your life is greater than your need for food at that time. Amen, church. So do the right things for the right reason. Don't do the right things for the wrong reason. Your motive determines your reward. Just simply live in devotion. But start small. Walk before you run. Don't go out of here today and be like, all right, tonight I'm going to Westco and getting 12 donuts and eating tacos because I'm going to fast for 21 days starting tomorrow. Like probably not. Like start with a meal. Start with something and just begin to incorporate this as a sustainable, in a sustainable pace over the course of your life, okay? It's a, it's a spiritual discipline. It's a practice. Start with something, and I'm just going to entrust that the Holy Spirit in these next few moments, as, as you seek him honestly, that he'll begin to show you like, hey, why don't you take some time and give that up so that you can seek me? Amen, church? Man, let's pray together as we continue to worship. Lord, 
Lord Jesus, you talk about fasting and knowing full well that it's, it's going to get a number of reactions. And it, in our culture, it's, it's kind of this outrageous, like, what? And yet for the spiritually minded, it is life and it's a gateway to an incredible reward. And so I just pray, Lord, for each person today as we take time to respond and maybe those who are at home and joining us online that even in their front room or or wherever they are watching that you would meet them. Meet each one of us, Holy Spirit, in these moments. What would you call us to fast from so that we can feast on you? To, To temporarily deprive a fleshly appetite so that we can just indulge in our spiritual appetite. And I ask that you would lead each one of us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.